This time loop thing. How did you get out of it? I simply boosted the circuits and broke free. You came back of your own accord? Well, I... Doctor? No. No, I'm afraid not. Now, obviously, the Time Lords have programmed the TARDIS always to return to Earth. It seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo. Welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world, and I have to deal with them. I'm your host, Molly Marsh, uh, and I'm just uh, in the process of packing my bags, ready to go home to Manchester for Christmas um, to see my family. This is going to be my last podcast of the year, and um, as is now tradition, um, I spoke to Johnny Spandrel. We had a little chat about what the year's been like um, in Doctor Who land. Um, and we also um, went through each episode of uh, this year and discussed uh, our opinions uh, on everybody else's unpopular opinions. Uh, so that was that was fun. At the end of the episode, I talk about uh, what my plans are um, once Series Twelve comes around and what you can hope to uh, to to be getting podcast wise. Then, in the meantime, though, I hope everybody has a delightful Christmas, um, a wonderful New Year. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Johnny Spandrel. Fantastic. So I'm here again, yet again, for the third year running? Third year running. Third year, with, yeah. With Johnny Spandrel. Um, last year we were able to review Resolution, but this year I thought I'd, I'd do this before the New Year special aired. Since, since the New Year special this year is, is episode one of the series, so I thought, let's kind of keep that its own thing. Yes, Yes, very wise, very are, wise. Are we being swizzed there? You know, because we, we're getting one fewer episode, right? Ah, uh, well, you mean we, we, yeah, I, look, no, I think it's okay. I think it's all right, isn't it? It makes it a little bit different, gives it something else to do around New Year's. I it think does, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, I'm being grumpy. Um, <laughs> I thought we could begin by kind of looking back across the year and thinking kind of what's what's happened in Doctor Who across this year. And I, I guess that seems like a difficult task because we've not had a series this year. Um, but, no, but there's always things going on in the world of Doctor Who, right? No, but yes, you're right. But it has it has kind of felt like our wilderness year this year. It it really um, has, yeah, more, more than any other. I mean, in in 2016, we had we had class at least. That's right, that's right. And this year, they've been so secretive about. Mm. Even though the show has been in production, they've been so secretive about it. So it's really felt like a vacuum, and um, it's it's to to my mind it's been it's been up to fans actually to fill that fill that vacuum yeah if yeah. you like i think yeah. that's true and, and, I think and you... things like big finish uh, as usual and and novels and such although we haven't really had any novels um yet i suppose we'll no. get some more with series 12 right yeah the the publishing the publishing of doctor who fiction eludes me like the logic behind it eludes mm, me mm. at the moment um 
But we did get two books written by Eric Sayward finishing That's off the right. Target yes, collection. True. So that, That's true. That, that made I, me quite happy. I do wonder what it would have been like to be Eric, Eric Sayward having not had a writing gig in like 30 years and to receive that, that phone call, oh, we want you to write two major books for Penguin. Yeah, that's right. And then quite a strange I, thing, having, Eric. Having read them both, it's really it's really um, noticeable how similar they are to the Doctor Who books he wrote thirty years mm, ago. Mm. So it's not like he's, you know, God love him, but it does not like he's taking the opportunity to do anything drastically new with them. No, because so. how, how could he? He's not had a writing gig in thirty years. You know, <laughs> unless he's been secretly, you know, uh, hashing out. A script after script in his house of of highly modern drama. I I, I really I'm not surprised that it's the same old same old from Eric Sayward. Yeah, kind yeah, of look, nostalgic I mean, like, and cuddly though, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's nice to have them complete. You know, we're all completists. We all like to have them all lined up on our shelves. Mm. So that's nice. Is My that, is that every I've... classic series story now? Every classic story. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you but see my, that? My they're... favorite. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry, my, my favorite aspect of it was in the Revelation book um, where he's expanding on the characters by giving them all really prosaic first names. Love that. Um, Love that. So, so it's like um, Joshua Jobel and uh, my favorite um, – uh, Justin Vogel, you know they all have they all have these names like he's just kind of flicked through the papers and chosen whatever Christian name has come up. So it's uh, yeah, it's um, anyway, it's been it's been nice. So I think the other thing the other thing that this year seems to have been about has been finding new formats to release yeah. old stories in, or even you know if we've if you think about if you think about it, and even recreating, so there's been a recreation of mm. Mission to the Unknown. They've yeah, had, yeah, yeah. They've had the the animated Macra Terra, and mm-hmm. you know, and and even releasing those old story soundtracks on vinyl, which seems very strange to me, but people seem to be loving them. So I think people, seems to have been... Doctor Who fans are like collecting nice, pretty stuff, don't they? And I think that's maybe yeah. why they've done the vinyl thing because it's like it's quite a nice little. I mean, that's why people like vinyl music-wise, isn't it? Because it's a nice, it's a nice product. To, to yeah, that's hand. right, and they're very pretty. They're mm. very pretty. Um, so there seems to have been a kind of a desire to kind of mine the past of the program while we haven't had anything. I mean, definitely. New to look what, at. what else can you do though? That's the that's the thing, I suppose. I mean, of course, we've had the collection box sets as well. Yeah, and they're, they're, again, they're beautiful pieces as well. And so mm. there's real mm. attention being paid to how they look. And they're obviously, if you're trying to get somebody to buy something for the third or fourth time. It's it's got to be looking really schmick, yeah, and people have got to be convinced to to hand over the dough. Yeah, you've um, got to really give really people lovely. more. Yeah, they're, they're lovely things. I mean, like you say about the the, pub, the the phrase you used about the the publishing of of who fiction, that the box sets elude me because I I I don't have a television, so it's it's just completely. Yeah. Uh, it would not be worth me. I know my dad gets them, um, but I it's something I just can't be involved in because I don't have a means of playing a Blu-ray. Yeah, so that's that's. Interesting, isn't it? Because so, how would you, if you're if you're not buying physical copies of things anymore, how do you get all that extra content? It's surprising to me that they haven't released it, you know, on a streaming service or as something. It's a download. You think they'd at least have put them on iTunes? I don't know. I, I wouldn't have. I haven't thought about that. 
Yeah, yeah. There, were, there was one strange moment where I realised I still had three copies of The Trial of a Time Lord all lined up next to each other. I think I can really do without these. Yeah, I can probably yeah. let go of the VHS tin now, probably. Oh, that VHS uh, tin's lovely, though. The TARDIS tin? Yes, that's oh. right. That's right. You could at least keep biscuits uh, in it or something. <laughs> True. I can repurpose, get rid of the old VHS to something more more useful. Like you could use it as a, a, a reward jar for your child or something. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The resilience box it is in our mm, house. Mm, mm. So, uh, you know, um, I digress, but, you know, when, our, when one of our children hurts themselves, we're sort of encouraging them to kind of not burst into tears and, and fall all over right. the place in a heap. So every so time, we, every time they're brave, quid in the yeah. uh, in the TARDIS jar, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. air in the resilience box. But all this is meant, all this is meant, is that when one of them hurts themselves, they come in crying, going, "I'm being resilient." <laughs> so it hasn't quite worked out yet, but the TARDIS tin would make a good resilience box, though. I think mm, that's good. Definitely, definitely. I and mean, the, and you the wouldn't other thing know I've how been, much was inside, so it'd be a good reveal when you opened it. <laughs> that's right what's in the tin um and the other thing i've been enjoying this year is a lot of fan produced content um podcasts like yours and like flight through entirety mm-hmm. and filling my day listening to listening to what other people are doing and and um you know another another highlight i think has been um the youtube channel terry nation's army um, right. I don't know yeah. if you've sampled is, any of yeah, that. Yeah, this is um, this is Gavin, isn't it? Who who makes this mm. these videos? Right. Yeah. So I yeah I've met Gavin a couple of times. Um, he's, right. He knows right. a lot about Daleks, doesn't he? It does a lot about a lot about props in yeah. general. Yeah. And you know, I just you think you're you think you know a little bit about Doctor Who until you watch one of those mm. watch mm. one of those videos and discover they've been counting the divots on police boxes for years and yeah. years. Yeah. Or, Counting the dings on various Daleks. I'm pretty sure he's the guy who used to run a, a similar blog. But like prior to making these videos, there was a blog that just like mm. took you through every single Dalek prop and like what happened to it over like a 30 year period. And like oh, when, just... you know, neck A was paired with head B and it, honestly, <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's appalling, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But it's lovely archival work. No, it's and nice. So, it's nice. And, you know, and they and the videos are lovely and put together and really nicely communicated. So, you know, I, I think that there's there's, you know, for the super nerdy, there's that sort of fan produced content, and I think mm, that's mm. that's lovely. Yeah, I think that you've kind of hit the nail in the head, though, in a way, from a from a critical point of view, in that there's been plenty of content out there for the super nerdy. You know, even things like the collection box box sets, things like those videos made by fans. Um, even mm. some of the big finish stuff, you know, it's quite it's quite fanish, and and mm. actually, the people who are missing out are, is like is kids and and young fans of the show and and the, the well in a, in a way the actual target audience of Doctor Who. Yeah, they have been abandoned a little bit this year. haven't Yeah, they? I kind of wonder what it's like to be to be a seven year old who enjoyed series eleven, and then you're you're eight now, nearly nine, and you might have forgotten Doctor Who exists. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think and you could yeah, you could turn, I suppose, to you could turn, I suppose, to Doctor Who magazine, and yet that has also, it seemed to me, oh, to be for, it's for old um, fun, isn't it? It's a for old fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should put it with Certainly the fishing re- magazines. <laughs> they should. They yeah. should because it has been repositioned in that way, mm. I think. And also, it doesn't have a lot of content 
it hasn't had a lot of content about um, series 12 in it. So again, if you're no. hungry for that sort of thing, it's not there, is it? And I think that's that's actually as much as I as much as I'm having a go at Doctor Magazine. That's actually not completely their fault. That's partly Cardiff not giving them enough stuff to. Oh, agreed. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing to report on. They can't, and this is why they have to start like making their cover story a Twitter poll that that they ran to see what the best Dalek story was. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, um, agreed. It, and that's another reason it feels like the wilderness years because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. actually what happened during all those years. They were scrabbling around for what else is out there in mm, the in the. Mm. The lieu, you know, in lieu of new news about the series. Yeah. So it's been it's been a funny old year from from that point of view. But I, I don't. I, but I just trying to reflect on your question. I don't know what younger fans would have done this year. No. Um. We'll have to we'll have to track down. So you, you actually one part of one tiny little content which surely would have spoken to to younger fans was that beautiful clip from Children in Need this of, year. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Um, and it's quite, and yeah, actually, quite similar to what they did last year as well. I think that's quite a nice little tradition we've we've started then. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think, you know, when you saw it, you suddenly were hungry for more. You know, mm, I felt, mm. you know, you wanted to see more of Jodie because you, you realised she's super charismatic and she's mm-hmm. clearly loved by a younger audience and you wanted to see more of her connecting with those yeah, definitely. audience. Yeah, um, I suppose she has been busy shooting the show all year, so she has, has many, many opportunities to do yeah. stuff like that. Did but you, still... Did you see her on Graham Norton, though? I haven't seen it yet. How did she go? Oh, she was so funny. It's so funny. They had her on the um, on the couch with Kevin Hart and The Rock. And it's just <laughs> the weirdest juxtaposition. And they can't understand her accent at all. So she has to speak really, really slowly for them to understand what she's saying. Which which absolutely yeah. baffles me because to me, Jodie Whittaker's accent is the clearest accent. No? I don't know what, how you feel about that as an Australian. Um, no, I've looked. Um, I have no, I have no trouble with her accent. Though having recently been in New York and people are having difficulty understanding me there, mm. uh, so I sympathise with the problems of having yeah. a strong accent. I just feel that um, that her kind of Huddersfield, like Yorkshire accent, is is clearer than an RP accent to me. But maybe that's because I'm, I'm from the north, and what she's doing really is a, is a kind of more exaggerated version of the accent you know my family have and. Do you know what yeah, I mean? She's attuned, taking those vowel sounds and she's, and she's stretching them. Yeah, um, yeah, and she doesn't speak particularly quickly or anything. No, no, she? Like, I think she speaks slowly, if anything. Yeah, too yeah. slowly. I, I was, I was flicking through. I, being ancient, I dusted off a DVD, a copy, and put it in the machine, like all old people right, do, right, Molly. Right. And we were watching, watching the Blu-ray of Robot the other day, and. Uh, I was struck watching Tom Baker thinking, you know, the thing is he has that instant charisma and he has that instant magnetic appeal and you can see that you can see why people are still drawn to that performance today. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about Jodie Whittaker and Graham Norton to say that she was really engaging because that's what, you know, thinking about series 12 to come, that's really what I want to see more of from mm. her performance. Yeah, I, so. I want to see, so. see, see everyone around her talks about what an engaging, warm, funny, mm. Mm. charismatic person she is. Um, and wouldn't it be great to have that absolutely shining through? Yeah, a little more than it is now. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely. Um, mm. 
Yeah, it, 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 the Kevin Hart and The Rock hadn't heard of Doctor Who, which I which I found <laughs> fascinating because they're they're promoting a film that they've starred in with Karen Gillan. With Karen Gillan, right? So, you know, at no point during during the coffee break did they go, "Oh, how how did you get famous then?" You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Quite strange. I, I feel like saying I feel like insulting all actors everywhere and saying never underestimate just how self centered actors yeah, yeah, could true, be, though. True, true. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'll go, you know, only saying that for um, uh, some of my professional interactions with them. So the the um, uh, no terrible slight intended, but mm. uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a surprise if they'd never heard of Doctor Who and probably no, she doesn't talk hugely about it when she's on set. I imagine and she's probably just bragging about all her Marvel stuff instead, isn't she? It's probably that's probably got more capital than Doctor Who. Probably, yeah. probably does have a little bit cash, more cachet in those yeah. in those yeah. Uh, circles. <laughs> yeah. Well, they Co- must have been mystified. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the the, the uh, most important thing that happened in the world of Doctor Who this year is that you finished the blog. Yes, I think you're right. I think that is the most important thing that happened this year. I did finish my blog. It took five and a half years to uh, to finish it, and. Um, and really, I, cap, I, I managed to cap it off in a really nice way, but I think by um, uh, by asking Gary Gillett to to write an afterword for it, um, and he of course just did a stunning job of it, a fantastic post, and that kind of puts the rest of the writing on the blog to shame. It's so good. And um, it's a real source of pride to me, but I, I think Gary's the best writer about Doctor Who, mm, and mm. Um, that he agreed to write something for it was really, um, really something for me. And that it became, I think, I you know personally think it's the best piece of writing about Doctor Who published this year. Mm. Um, although maybe I would say that, but I, I think it's I think it's a great piece of work, and the fact that it's on on my blog makes me feel very proud. So I think really that was a highlight for for me coming right at the end of the blog. If people yeah. are coming new to your blog now, um, randomhunas.com, having never read it before, would you recommend that they read the posts in chronological order, or would you recommend that you, they read them in post order? Um, I. I would recommend that they read them in any order they like right, because okay. that's really how it's designed to be mm-hmm. done. They should be able to dip in and dip out of it. I've got to say that um, there's a there's there's a lot of people reading it lately in chronological order, which kind of baffles me because I think that's that's sort of anti what what the kind of uh, ethos of it was. But you know that's that's good for them, and I think it must be quite funnily enough, it must be quite a jumpy experience reading these posts which which although you know although the rescue comes before the romans comes before the web planet all those posts were written years apart mm, so they mm. must all be quite different in tone and style but anyway uh Part whichever the fun, they I suppose, whichever they were yeah that's right whichever yeah. they they want to do it molly is absolutely fine by me great great another good thing that happened in the world Doctor Who is that is that you and i met in real life this is right. Maybe this was the most important Maybe it was thing to happen in Doctor Who this year, Molly. Yes, when I came over to the UK just to meet you, Molly. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That was the entire. That was the entire um, excuse. But no, we we, yeah, we met in the Fitzroy Tavern, the the London's Doctor Who pub. Um, yeah, and, and it was yeah. lovely. It was lovely. 
Yeah, it was terrific because actually we we had also apart from apart from never meeting face to face, we had also never had a conversation not recorded for your podcast. That's true. I suppose that is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's nice. Sometimes I'll 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 see friends and we'll be talking about Doctor Who, and I'll think, oh no, I wish I got this on tape. And actually, mm. that's that's very unhealthy. <laughs> so it's nice to it's nice for these the relationships to expand. Uh, out of the confines of of uh, content, you know. Uh, That's true. Plus, people yeah. presumably get disconcerted when you say to them, "Can you just rewind two minutes, and I'll get my uh, phone out and we'll yeah, record yeah, that yeah, bit." Yeah, doesn't happen. Uh, um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, like you yeah. say, it's it's been a bit of a drought this year in terms of series twelve stuff. Although we did get the trailer uh, a few weeks back, uh, and it's got us all kind of ramped up again, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been it's a good it's a lovely trailer too. It's mm. really nicely oh, it's put so together. Exciting. It's, yeah, yeah, and I hope um, uh, I hope it's I hope it's generating a lot of buzz over there mm. for people to to get excited about it. But yeah. you know, if there's if there's the things I particularly liked about series eleven, you know, the quality of the um, the production quality, the photography, the the music, and all those sort of things. This from the trailer trailer it seems like they're keeping up those kind of standards mm, so mm. i think that looks really that that's exciting to me about how good the program looks at the moment the other thing we should probably mention is the is the vr game um which i haven't played but i've seen being played uh, and was one of the biggest dot two moments of the year i'd say yeah well you've how have you seen it being played so i went to a friend's house who has it and i watched another friend playing it but i didn't get involved yeah so right I've kind Are of you a... seen it in action are you a big consumer of VR? I'm no, I'm not a consumer of computer games at all. Um, no, no, no. But I understand no. that people are. Yeah, look, neither, neither am I, and I think that you know the the thing about the thing about VR is that it's it has been it has been a kind of mass market product for a few years now. But to me, it seems to have not really penetrated the mass market that much. Yeah, I think um, it's just the beginning. Um, now, actually, yeah. That t- t- now the technology is kind of more affordable, um, yeah, and and uh, yeah, more widely available. And there are a few competitors as well. Um, I yeah. think that's making yeah. it uh, a little a little more accessible for people. So there were there were a couple of VR things this year, weren't there? Because there was there was the Edge of Time mm. and the Runaway. Mm. So it's clearly something that people see. And I suppose if you're looking if you're looking for a brand with which to kind of uh, attract people to a VR product. Doctor Who's pretty good, mm. actually, because it's kind of about it's kind of about big, expansive worlds. It's kind of about thinking about yourself with the you know tracing around behind the Doctor. You know, you can imagine how it would suit a VR experience. Definitely, definitely. but I'm a, I'm a bit like you. I've never actually strapped on the headset and kind of dived into that world no, i'm terrified of it i mean i when i saw connor playing it um a few weeks back i mean that that weeping angel sequence is absolutely horrifying oh, right. it's, 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 i mean it's not for kids it is absolutely terrifying i would i would yeah. not want to put that headset on <laughs> yeah right so is this another example of merchandise which is not not made for kids i mean i think it i think a kid could play it under supervision but it, it's not it's quite a gloomy sort of game it's not um 
yeah, it's not it's not like colourful and, and, and for children. But the, the other mm. one, the runaway, that was more of a kid's thing, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that had more of a car, sort of cartoonish look mm. to it. Than, mm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. You've got me all worried about the uh, children of the UK now. You've got me worried. What's, where's their, where's, who's catering for them? What's I don't doing, know. you know? Yeah, yeah, I can't work out whether kids are kids are into Doctor Who. Although it was amazing last weekend, um, some Jadoon came to Victoria Station, right? And, um, <laughs> and uh, there were loads of kids there, and honestly, they shat themselves. They were they were like <laughs> they were watching. There was the, the, there's this big kind of magic mirror thing in the middle of Victoria Station that's like it's a screen and it's like an augmented reality thing. So it it it's a it's like a webcam and you can see yourself in the mirror. But then there's stuff on there. So there was like a TARDIS on there and you could like stand in the doorway and all this. So that all the, uh, all the right. kids were like looking at that. And then they didn't notice the Jadoon coming in from the side. Uh, <laughs> all these guys in costume. And there's a there's a video of it. And this little girl literally falls over. Because <laughs> she's so <laughs> shocked and terrified. It's so great. And oh, they, had the no. guy, they had the guy there. So they had two with helmets. And they had one with an um, animatronic uh Jadoon head and they had the guy like standing in the corner controlling the animatronic head and so the mouth was moving the eyes were blinking everything it was, re- it was really scary yeah all right i wonder if we can expect more pr stunts like that as this new series gets a bit yeah, closer i don't know it was certainly cool though it certainly kind of got people talking yeah nice very good great should we move on to kind of looking back across the, the year of galactic yo-yo oh, yes it's been a good year I think it has, yeah. I mean, I've I've reduced the amount of Galactic Yo-Yo content, regrettably, um, but that was a thing that needed to happen for me to be able to carry on Galactic Yo-Yo at all. So uh, I, I'm not going to apologise for that. How many how many episodes of Galactic Yo-Yo are there now? There are eighty eight. This is number eighty nine. Wow, it's an astonishing amount, mm. really. Mm. So I'm I'm currently thinking about what I'm going to do for episode one hundred, which will which will happen after series twelve. Um, right. Yeah, I'm kind of right. on the fence about that. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't reveal anything yet, I presume. I can't reveal anything because I don't have any ideas yet. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Always uh, a good reason to yeah. not reveal anything. <laughs> so let's kind of rewind to. I'm trying to think what this what the first episode of the year was. Oh well, my first episode of the year was with you, and we discussed oh, resolution. Yes. So we'll skip over that. And yes. then a few. Oh, I don't want to play it. There we go. A few. Um, <laughs> No, I don't want to play it. So, in episode sixty-six, in uh, in, in back in whenever that was. See, there's no dates or anything. <laughs> so, ten, right, you just so to make it up. Ten months ago, in uh, we we I released episode sixty-six with Georgia Harper, um, who is lovely, uh, and she had some things to say to me about the rebel flesh and the almost people that two-parter from series six. Uh, yes. And it was amazing to see her enthusiasm and her enthusiasm, particularly for for Rory, um, getting uh, a spotlight in that episode. I'm 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 still not sure I I would want to watch that story again. I don't know about but you. She was she was trying to convince you about how good it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I look. I've got to admit, I have a bit of a soft spot for this story, but I don't good, really know. Good. I don't really know why though. I I I, I like the kind of. Um, I like the kind of cold blueness of mm, it. You know, mm. that they kind of that kind of color palette that it's got. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think Matt Smith's very good in it, and he's got that he's got that 
double persona. You know, when he comes to do it again, that kind of dual persona in um, Nightmare and Silver, oh, he's, he's not as, for some not reason, he's not as convincing. Strangely, that in Nightmare and yeah. Silver, is it? It's odd. Yeah, whereas this one where you're where he's playing that game of you can't tell which of these which is the copy and which is the real thing mm. is is good. I think I think that's good. The special effects are a bit ropey in it, you know, and it's kind of it, perhaps it gets a bit lost in the in the in the second half. Mm. Um, and then it does that odd thing where it's been talking about how how the gangers are all real people and how they've all we've got to respect them and look after their rights. And then that's the whole crux of the story. And the moment it ends and he gets in the TARDIS, he shoots one of them. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really <laughs> work with it. You can tell it's been sw- it's been stitched together from yeah. from Matthew Graham's script and, and Stephen's kind of uh, twist that he wanted to put in. Like, they haven't quite yeah. m- had the two meet properly there, I don't think. But, yeah, yeah. I also like there's this character in it called Cleves. I forget who the actress is. She's the kind of leader of the oh yeah yeah the yeah, miners, yeah. and you know you'd normally expect her to be the heroic type who's leading the fight against them, and and but actually really really soon into the action she just kind of goes this is ridiculous why are we doing this she's the one who sort of says against type and if you think about commanders of bases under siege in doctor who mm. they've always been nutty like they're always the sort of people you wouldn't put in a leadership position in any under any circumstance well, and that's usually they're what all... leads to the to the, the base being under siege in the first place or or leads that's, to the situation right. getting worse yeah they're always the ones who are going to be foaming at the mouth first yeah, and yeah, she yeah. is so interesting in this she sort of says you know, she's sort of the the Jenny character. The Jennifer character is kind of going about hatred, and she's going and and really early in the story, she goes, "This is ridiculous. Why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense." So I like her performance. What a pain! What a pity! I can't actually remember the actress's name. Whoever she is, she's very good. Yeah. How do you, what do you, what do you feel about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's got. You know, when I when I put it back on to rewatch it when I was making that episode of the podcast. The, the beginning mm. is so atmospheric and it kind of just it, it just hasn't got enough to last 90 minutes i think it would I be a better a better 45 that. minute story to be honest it tries yeah, to do the wrong. switcheroo at the start of part two by introducing the, the ganga doctor and as much as that stuff's nice it's it's just not enough to to, yeah. to warrant it being two parts i don't think but that would be the thing yeah that's right um, yeah, it's, it's a pity because you could have made it a sixty-minute special, and it probably would have been, it probably would have fitted that length in. But you're right; it doesn't have enough. No, it doesn't no. have enough to kind of keep it going for ninety minutes. Um, episode sixty-seven um, is my second most listened episode ever, I believe. Oh wow! Uh, and I wow. spoke to Andrew Ellard, uh, and it was an amazing conversation when we had uh, a chat about turn left because um, Andrew Ellard thought that. Uh, turn left was a was a bit overrated, and that actually it didn't quite make the point that it was wanting. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been I've been watching years and years mm. recently, mm, mm. and I haven't finished it because actually I haven't quite summoned up the. I've got to the end of episode four, and I haven't quite summoned up the courage to finish right. the sure, uh, series sure. off yet. Um, but the. Uh, 
yeah, it strikes me as the natural evolution from from turn left, mm. that kind of story where things go wrong and go wrong and go wrong and keep going wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what what is Donna's character? What is Donna's character about? She's kind of the if she's if she's more than just the comic relief, she's the. I don't know. See, that Catherine Tate is the first example in new series Doctor Who of the show having two leads. So I often think that before, as as good as Billy Piper and Freema Adjaman are, they are they are they are really the companion. They are the That's true. Companion, yeah. but when you when you've got David Tennant and Kath, David Tennant and Catherine Tate together. They and Catherine Tate's as big a star as David Tennant, and because Donna is not very good at being a Doctor Who companion, like she doesn't know how to run down corridors, she doesn't understand what a Sontaran is. Like she, 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 she. There's a number of points in that series where she says, where she acts contrary to the way you'd expect a companion to behave. Suddenly, for once, it feels like we've got two lead characters sharing the action equally. Yeah, true, in the show, true, true, and so you'd naturally give that person a showcase, like turn left, mm, and yeah. I think it's the first, it's the first companion, it's the first Doctor Light episode, which is a companion heavy episode. I think that's right. So, love yeah, and that's true. Link. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. love and monsters so link have the... new characters, don't they? That they they insert this kind of new one off protagonist. Yeah, so she's the first. She's really the first companion to get an episode of Doctor Who to herself. Mm. So it's a real statement of confidence True. in her. And of course, she she, Catherine Tate, of course, knocks it out of the park. She's mm. a. It's a terrific. It's a terrific performance from her. Um, but if there's if the idea is that it's too bleak for what that character is meant to be bringing to well, Doctor I, Who, yeah, then... and I think it also centres the Doctor in a weird sort of way. Because the whole story really is about, well, isn't it? Aren't things awful when the Doctor isn't here? So yeah. In a weird way, yeah. even though the story is kind of Donna's, Donna's story, it's is actually about the Doctor. Um, yes. Yeah. The about the absence of the Doctor. Mm, mm. And so, it, so in a funny sort of way, I mean, I think that's a valid criticism. You want to make a big companion heavy story and celebrate Catherine Tate, and then actually, it's all about the absence of David Tennant. Yeah, I can see that. That's a kind of that's a reading of it which which might undermine what the whole episode is is trying to do Although i suppose um, i suppose stephen moffat did the did the flipperoonie in 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 series nine and did a whole companion like episode with with peter capaldi in, in heaven sent and really that whole story's about clara so i suppose that's like that's stephen going okay let's i don't know let's flip this over yeah yeah it's true it's it's hard you set up these you set up these binaries of of dual of characters and their relationships to each other. So of course, when one of them goes, mm, it's mm. going to be it's going their absence is going to be for sure is going to be felt. Um, terrific episode, turn left, amazing, really. It does have a plasticky beetle in it, though, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yeah, it's not it's not a good prop, but it's fine. <gasps> oh, and it does have a it does have oh, it that does have place the racism the, in it as well. Yeah, it does, it does have, have that casual yeah. racism in it. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna change the I'm gonna change the batteries on my machine, so you're gonna lose okay. me for a minute. Okay, I'm back. That was some excellent battery charging. Thank you.
Yeah, I, I don't know where my, my power, power supply has gone, but I'm yeah, I'm having to run the machine off batteries at home, which is quite annoying. But from eBay or something. I should tell you something that you can drop back into it if you like. You know how I was just I was just bagging Eric Sayward out for giving mm, his um mm. his exotic characters really um really dodgy, boring Christian names, and I've just remembered my name's Johnny Spandrel. Yeah, true. So you, yeah, you don't have a leg to stand on there. Yeah. I know. No, um, very rude. Episode sixty-eight. I spoke to Joe B. Uh, uh, from the Netherlands um, about series six, and um, oh yes, because I actually recorded this one before the previous one, but I moved it because the topic was series six, and I'd done the Rebel Flash episode. Um, but yeah, do we like series six? Looking back. Jeez, oh, that's a big one. It's a, it's a, a lot big of one. It, in series six. It's a big one. <laughs> I, I tell you what, let's make this one quick because we want to squeeze all the others in. We'll say all right, we've got to see. series okay. six, yes or no? Uh, yes and no. I can't say yes or no. We can say yes, yes, yes to, the, or no. to the girl who... Yes or no. <laughs> um, yes, yes-ish. Yes with reservations. What, what's which which story is making you say no? What about the the wedding of River Song right at the end? That's good. That's good. That's a good story. Yeah, it's is it well? It's kind of it's a bit of a it's a melange. What about what about um, Let's Kill Hitler? Yeah, that's less good, but it but it it still has its moments. <laughs> what about Piratey One? Piratey One, garbage. Garbage, absolute trash fire story. Awful, awful. Uh, but look, then on the other hand, you've got The Doctor's Wife, you've got uh, The Girl Who Waited, you've got a couple of really standout episodes in there. Mm. Um, mm. And I've got a lot of fondness for the opener, for the um, oh, Impossible yeah. Astronaut. So stylish, so stylish. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, look, I, I'm, I'm sticking with yes-ish. Good, okay. You can't budge me from that, that's what it is. In episode 69, I talked to um, Kevin, uh, also known as Script Scribbles on, on Twitter, um, about class, because he's a massive class fan. And yeah. uh, most people aren't. And <laughs> did did you ever finish watching class? This is weird. I've, I've only just watched the last episode. So there was like eight episodes, wasn't there? Yeah, eight, yeah. So I watched the first seven uh, and then I just never summoned the energy to watch the last one. And then mm. I've so there's been a year or a longer than a year, two years or three years or whatever it is, until I've watched the last episode. Now, of course, coming back to it, I haven't got a clue what's going on in class. Like I just I've got it, but I remember the full sense I've got of watching the whole thing, which is um, what a lovely cast of actors. What a what a what potential it has there and just far too overcomplicated. Yes, I agree. I agree. I think one thing that Kevin and I agreed on was that what it needed was, was Patrick Ness as his lead writer and then a couple of other people contributing scripts. Because yeah. I think, I think Patrick Ness just got, he got two in his own head with it. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's really a sort of fever dream, isn't it? The it, whole thing. It absolutely and is. Yeah. And and the it, it doesn't help that a lot of the dialogue of the Shadowkin is kind of um, unintelligible. 
at least to at least to my elderly ears. So the the because of the so, because of the filters they put on it and stuff. Because yeah, of because of the effectors right. okay. put on it, you know. And look, it's it's just um, a really promising, a really promising really thing promising. that looks fantastic. Do you remember but... the scene where the where the, the Shadowkin are shagging each other and and. Uh, April and Ram are uh, chagging each other, and it's and it's juxtaposed. Isn't that bizarre? That oh, that's, it's so strange. That happened in a Doctor Who related t- a TV thing in yeah, 2016. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the, <laughs> on it is a weird kind of slice. You know, it it doesn't feel like it properly belongs anywhere, yeah. even though it's set in Coal Hill School. But it's, it's Catherine it's, Kelly, right, who yeah. plays but it, Quill. But it's, it's set in Coal Hill School, but it. But it's not because that school is nothing like any British school that I have ever. It's so Americanized. That's yeah. it's not and, it, at all. Yeah, but that that might, again, it's Patrick Ness because Patrick Ness is an American. But it's as if he had no advisors going. This is nothing like a British school. Stop. Look, and all the all the younger cast members, God love them, all emoting furiously at oh each God, other yeah, about yeah, yeah, things yeah. which were so super important that I was just, whenever Catherine Kelly just turned up to undercut that with mm, a kind mm. of roll of her eyes and a kind of uh, a kind of um, grumpy walk down the corridor or something, that was, I felt that she was by far the best thing in it. Yeah, and, she was cool. Um, I'd cool. like, funnily enough, I'd like her, I'd like her to enter into Doctor Who in some way. Um, yeah, why not? Maybe why not, not even in that character, but she's a terrific actress. She's yeah, she's good. Really she's good. good. Yeah. Um, in episode seventy, I spoke to Neil Perryman, um, and he told me how he felt that the Doctor does not need to be cast um, as a British person, and we could we right. Could, we could go across the pond. We could maybe go to Australia. We could. It doesn't matter as long as they're an English speaking. Maybe actor. go to Australia. Come on. Come on, there's been <laughs> no. I, what, yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't see. Um, I don't see why that couldn't happen. Um, Which Australian would you cast? Well, I've always, um, I've always thought that Tony Collette would be a terrific. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Terrific um, doctor. We've also got Rachel Griffiths. Those two actresses are kind of um, put together quite a lot. But um, yeah, any number. You know any number of fantastic um, Australian performers too. Um, there's a there's an actor called Richard Roxburgh who's in a fantastic um, show here called Rake, where he's a sort of he's a kind of uh, badly behaved lawyer, and it's a really good performance. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. And I don't think it would be. Um, you know, we've got one example. We've got one example of a. A Scots actor playing it with a British accent, so there's That's also true, yeah. that. Yeah. With there's also that potential too, where you get an Australian actor or an American actor or a or a you know insert nationality here, mm. and they play mm. it with a British accent, and so that's possible as well. I think it was too big definitely. a leap to make, but really, we've made you know the Doctor's a woman now. I think all the barriers have, have all um, bets are off. After, all bets are off. I reckon. His idea. Yeah. What well, I've forgotten the person's name now that he suggested. She's the one who's in. Now I've forgotten the name of the show as well. Oh, N- uh, Natasha Leon, she's called. Ah, uh, yes, I do remember yeah. that now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But look, really, what's the what's if you had a uh, you had a choice between someone a fantastic Canadian actor who was going to be brilliant in it, or 
a UK actor who perhaps wouldn't suit it quite so much. Why mm. would you stick to the UK actor in that case? You know, yeah, you'd have to be a we're fool. really in you'd the. Have to be a fool. We're really in. You'd have to be a fool. That's mm. the only answer. <laughs> Uh, episode <laughs> 71 I spoke to Lee Binding the lovely Lee Binding at his gorgeous flat in oh I shouldn't have dropped where he lives uh, at his gorgeous <laughs> flat in an undisclosed location in London um, he spoke to me about how much he thinks the chase and the war machines are brilliant and we actually had a back and forth about whether this was unpopular um, but nevertheless those stories Johnny what are our thoughts uh, um yeah, the War Machines is brilliant, but the Chase is appalling, and I mean, he should be ashamed of himself. Look, frankly. I, I, when I first saw the Chase, I, I said, "Look, no Doctor Who episode can be worse. No Doctor Who story can be worse than that. It's the worst Doctor Who story I've ever seen." And you know what? I think it's fun. Like it, yeah. it's trying and it's fun, and like, I feel mean spirited having a go at the Chase. Yeah, I. I think there's lots of fun Doctor Who, and I'll I'll defend Doctor Who for being fun over being you know serious or mm. or you know or well performed or well directed sure. or well written any day. But um, the chase is exactly the sort of Doctor Who I dislike. You know, it's kind of um, it's generic. It's it's uh, it's it doesn't you know it's not trying to say it's unambitious. It's kind of it's not funny. It's spectacularly unfunny. Um, the chase no, is hilarious. It's hilarious. No, 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 no. What about when Ian um, <laughs> thwarts a Dalek by throwing a cardigan over its head? Yeah, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, all right. No all one right. can claim but that's what not about funny. Someone, What about when somebody makes a boob joke right in the middle of it? When does that happen? That went over my head. So there's a there's a, when they go to the Empire State Building. And there's oh, um, yeah, some no, hokey that, yes, tour guide. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Episode seventy-two. I met up with Matt Greenfield in the freezing cold outside uh, the British Library, and but we had to kind of cut recording a little short because he was visibly shaking in with the cold, and I just couldn't. <laughs> My God, I couldn't. I couldn't make him sit there and and tell me his opinions on series nine and on Love and Monsters any longer. Uh, that, that was absolutely necessary. But he told me he loved series nine, uh, which which fine. We won't go into that um, because uh, it's as another big one. But we will talk mm. about the fact that he he wanted to kind of get back at all the people who love Love and Monsters on this podcast, and he he just still thinks it's crap. What do we think? Oh right, right, right. He wanted to. Um, well, firstly, I think Love and Monsters is brilliant, mm, so mm. I, I await I await okay. his um, wrong his okay. disdain. Episode yeah. seventy, <laughs> episode seventy three. I spoke to Toby Haydock in a dressing room at the uh, at the what's the comedy club called? At a comedy club in Manchester, and he um, spoke to me about um, companions. We had a, a long conversation about who counts as a companion. Right. Uh, and who and who doesn't? What's your policy on that, Johnny? <laughs> you want fast answers, and then you ask me who's a companion? Come on, that takes ages to decipher. Um, I like to. I'm very expansive. You want you want Sarah Kingdom to be a companion? Fine by me. You right. want Mike Gates to be a companion? I'm up for that. Uh-huh, no worries. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let them all in. I say. Fair With, enough. What's the harm done? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of an obscure one. Uh, um, what about um, <laughs> Arthur the Horse? Is that a companion? 
Uh, look, Arthur Horse, no, doesn't appear in subsequent stories. But Courtney, what's his name? Right, so you've from... just you've just introduced a, a uh, uh, rule there, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. They've yeah. got to appear in two subsequent stories, two and they've stories. got to travel by TARDIS. They've got so, to appear in two story, two subsequent stories, or just a story and a subsequent story. Uh, no, the 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 stories have got to be, um, they've got to run next to each other. Oh, they've got to be consecutive, right? They've got to okay. be consecutive. Thank you. So and so um, Adam got to, and they've got to counts. travel by Tardis. So right, Courtney right, right. Wood is her name, right? Courtney From, Woods. Yeah, yeah. She's a companion. Oh wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But still, I, I reserve the right to include people who haven't done that, like Liz Shaw. Oh, yeah, of course. And the Brigadier. And the Brigadier. Yeah, all, and those Mike uni- all those Unity people <laughs> definitely can. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Adam Mitchell, companion. Adam Mitchell. What about um, people like Kate Stewart and uh, and Osgood? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I saw Gemma Redgrave in the tube. Oh, the you know, and, and then I feel sorry because I just said how expansive I was about all these things, yes. and then suddenly the suddenly the gates come crashing down. River Song companion. Definitely, definitely, no, no question there, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though she's not in two consecutive stories and traveling by Tardis, so I don't know. What about hang on? What I about think... Grace Holloway? Oh. What What about Chang Lee? Not a... <laughs> Yeah, sadly, no. I kind of like them. I like them. I'd like them to be companions. But um, uh, although, look, my, my rule says no, I'm going to let them in because okay. now I've decided to be expansive again, for sure. Um, in episode 74, I got together with um, David Chipakupaku to discuss the fashion highs and low of, lows of Doctor Who. Um, hmm. What is your fashion high of Doctor Who and what is your fashion low of Doctor Who? Uh, look, I think my fashion high of Doctor Who has got to be anything Katie Manning wears. Got you. Yeah, yeah, I can appreciate that. Well, anything Katie Manning has, has worn before or since as well. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Basically, any any piece of clothing that's become within a kilometre radius of, um, of, Katie, of Manning. Katie Manning, that's in. That's it. Great. Um, I've been in a kilometre radius of Katie Manning this year, so absolute fashion <laughs> over here. Congratulations, you're a fashion win on Doctor Who. Uh, and fashion fail from fashion fail from Doctor Who. You know, I um, um, let's go. You know, it's too obvious to say the Sixth Doctor, isn't it? It's too. Everyone would be saying that. Yeah, I think one of us did say that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you've got to choose something else. Um, well, do we? Did Adric come up? Are we allowed to talk about Adric's costume? In yeah, the space I don't know. Pajamas? I don't think Ad- Adric did come up. But yeah, that it's bad, isn't it? Did Adric come it's, up? It's I don't know. It's 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 just yeah, it's weird. Let's go for that. That's not good. Those green those green pants. Not no 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 no. And they and they expose him as well, don't they? Famously in Castellano. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. We better leave that. Episode seventy-five. I spoke to <laughs> Nikki. Uh, oh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his surname because I had a real nightmare with it uh, on the episode itself. So I'm going to stay away. Spoke to Nicky, mm-hmm. and he was telling me about um, uh, how much uh, he loves Sleep No More, as well as how he thinks that Night of the Doctor um, is one of the most exciting uh, things ever to have happened in Doctor Who. Well, he's right about Night of the Doctor. Like, there's that's not, not a particularly unpopular opinion, is it? No, I don't think so. But I think his enthusiasm was such that it it kind of it kind of took us into unpopular territory. 
Do you know what I mean? He, he became so enthusiastic about it that he became unpopular that's, with his friends and that's, family. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got it. But Sleep No More, I can't, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time for it. Um, it's, it's again, it's one of those stories where it's just, it's storytelling is too messy. And, mm. uh, I'd be inclined it, to agree, I think. Yeah. Okay, episode 76 uh, was maybe, maybe my favourite episode of the podcast I've ever made. And it was mm. Doctor Who Snog Marriott Void with Sarah and Connor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was such a it was such a blast. I listen to it sometimes just to laugh because it was so. Oh, that's uh, honestly oh, that's great. I usually you made f- something amazing. Yeah. you love to listen to it. That's awesome. I usually find the editing of these podcasts kind of a chore because as much as I enjoy making them, listening back to a conversation you've already had is quite boring. Um, mm, yeah, but this one, well, I I loved listening to it when I was editing it. I couldn't. I, I was I was so sad when it was over. Um, yeah. Let's do a Doctor Who snog marry avoid then. Let's have. Okay, lay it lay it on me. Okay, let's have. Um. Let's have. Okay, um, the general as played by Ken Bones. <laughs> right. Okay. Um. Let's have. Um. The guy who I don't know the character's name, but the guy who, uh is is first possessed by the war machine in the war machines oh i yeah i don't know either do you mean professor brett or is it the other guy professor the, Clinton? The, the guy who looks sort of eastern european and uh, slightly terrifying <laughs> right, okay, yeah, okay. uh and finally um uh howard from the market who leaves the tangerine in the in the pocket of the dressing gown in, in christmas invasion Oh, we never met. Well, we have to marry Howard because he comes with he comes with a supply of food. Yeah, true, right? true, he's true. He's going to be a good provider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? And what about in my dotage when I need somebody to bring citrus fruits That's in me? Right, I yeah. think he's, know, a, he's a he's a breadwinner, isn't he, Howard? He's a breadwinner. That's right. A tangerine right. winner, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can I can snog the general in the hope that he will regenerate into somebody more attractive. Right, 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 right. Uh, and he does, right? He does, so yeah, that's he does. Good. Yeah. good track record Just of that. Just playing the long game um, there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, uh, then I, I have to avoid then um, uh, Mr. Possessed from from sure. uh, from the War Machine. I so sympathise okay. with that view. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. speed up a bit with this, with these okay. with this content now. Okay, episode seventy seven. I spoke to Chris Allen um, about. Oh, we had uh, a, a conversation about John Nathan Turner and about um, what a brilliant force for good he was in terms of um, publicity on Doctor Who. And then we talked mm. about um, uh, fans and showrunners and the and the sort of uh, tumultuous relationship between fans and showrunners and how fans are kind of never happy and showrunners kind of have a hard time from fans and 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 fans kind of expect showrunners to sort of do their bidding and and that's not cool. What do we think about that? Those both those things are true. I'd, I'd like to think that the more literate we get about how the program is made, mm. the more we understand the pressures that showrunners have been on from. I think that's a, I think that's a naive view. I don't think that's Do true. Yeah, I think the more people are getting, people are feeling like they're getting more literate, and they and they and then they're feeling kind of um, they're feeling self righteous about that because they know that they know more now and they feel more yeah. able to 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 hold writers to account when actually you're not a writer stop it 
Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. I see what you mean. A little, a little knowledge is a is a is a uh, dangerous thing. Yeah. So, all right, I, I am convinced. I am convinced on that one. I agree. I agree with your. Uh, I agree with your correspondent on that. On those points. Episode seventy eight. I spoke to Max Curtis, and he said that um, the show should start bringing more monsters back from within New Who. So, like, like they've, they're doing with the Jadoon. Um, what's wrong with kind of bringing some monsters back within the show, within the new show, rather than mining Classic Who all the time? Yep, agreed. Why not? The Gelf needs a never run, right? <laughs> Where's the Isolus? We need them back. The Isolus. I like that you've picked those two sort of gaseous. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, there must have been villains. something going on. Yeah, sorry. We'll go for the half next then. But, you know, <laughs> Revenge of the Half. Amazing. Episode 79, I spoke to Crystal D, and this was this has been by far my most listened episode, my most mm. talked about episode. Um, and we did have a brief and unpopular opinion chat about um, how much Crystal loves Martha, but I think the main takeaway people had from that episode was was uh, the, hearing Crystal talk about kind of what she'd been through while she's been in the, the world of Doctor Who and how hard it can sometimes be when you're not what people want you to be in... in in, in in the world of Doctor Who fans, yeah, it was an extraordinary conversation and a fantastic a fantastic episode too. And I think more what was more interesting for me was that you know she actively chose your podcast as a sort of sort of uh, now now that you'd passed that point to come out and say here's what I've got to say about this, uh-huh. and that's what I really loved about it. Somebody with something to say you know, sort sort the podcast podcast out as as the vehicle for saying something important. So it was a really you know, and, and we all have to kind of I think listen to these stories of people who are victimized on the internet. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other way of putting it. I think if we're going to be kind of contributing to discussions online, then we need to we need to pay attention when they go uh, wrong and they hurt people. Definitely. Definitely. Um, in, in, in episode 80, I spoke to um, to Chris Chapman and he said that he thinks that less is more um, in, in terms of Doctor Who and that, that sometimes fans want quantity rather than quality. Do you agree? Yeah. Yep. Less is definitely more. I think it, it's, uh, it's interesting because I was just watched, you know, because I have three copies of The Trial of the Time Lord, I've just mm, watched mm. one of the three versions of Terror of the Vervoids, which is on... The uh, the Blu-ray set. You're gonna watch the, watch the other two as soon as we finish talking, right? <laughs> That's right, because really, uh, my life isn't complete unless I'm watching it on a daily basis. Um, the the edited version's by far the best. The, the shortest yeah. version is, you know, and and um, as much as we want to see every minute of the show, it's probably best that we don't. In episode eighty-one, I spoke to um, the boys from the oldest question podcast, so Tom and Pencil Bandit. Um, about regeneration powers, and um, Tom in particular felt that the the, the additional powers the Doctor gets uh, after regenerating have got a bit out of hand. Look, I think I'll listen to anything um, uh, put forward by somebody who's called Pencil Bandit. I think that's <laughs> you know, you, first of all, you can't argue with that, and secondly, the depth of thought to that about well, what powers gained after regeneration? I've got to say, I had never. That had never um, mm. crossed my mind, you know. So, um, yep, I'm I'm willing to be concerned about that too. Sign <laughs> me up to that cause. Yeah. Let's storm the barricades on that. 
In episode 82, I spoke to Josh Snares, um, everybody's um, favourite Australian Doctor Who fan. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> about um, about fan films and how Josh felt that, um, that, that uh, fans sometimes uh, make a film because they're a fan rather than because they're a filmmaker and that that means there are a lot of shoddy Doctor Who fan films out there. Uh, and it was a difficult conversation to have because we didn't we didn't want to be kicking people while they were down. But what do we think that the fans the, the fans need more quality control? Um, well, firstly, I don't watch I don't watch any fan films, so uh, I'm I'm speaking from from a position of ignorance there. Um, but you know, I'd never written a word about Doctor Who before I mm. wrote my mm. first blog post, and you know, presumably they get better better over time. I hope you know. You are an amateur. You are an amateur podcast maker. Once. Everyone's yeah. an amateur yeah. in something to begin with, um, and that's yeah. It's naturally not going to be as good, and the production quality is not going to be there. Mm. But it's where you end up rather than where you begin. I hope it's about the journey. Yeah, yeah. In episode eighty-three, I spoke to um, Imogen, aka Janoodle, on Twitter um, about how. Oh, and we actually. Oh God, it was so sunny then. We had this conversation. <laughs> outside at the Barbican and it was cool. I mean, you couldn't do that now. You'd be an icicle by the end of it. Um, <laughs> we had a chat about, although for you, it's 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 the other way around, isn't it? Um, but anyway, Imogen Janoodle on the Barbican, uh, on the, on, outside of the Barbican, uh, spoke to me about uh, how she uh, enjoys Doctor Who the most when it's grounded in reality. Um, so, yeah, th- so, that's you know, that's weird. Uh, early Russell T and 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 some of the Chibnall stuff in Sheffield, uh, a particular reference to that. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see it though. I never really think of it. I never really think of realism being strong in Doctor Who, even in those two examples that mm, you mentioned. Mm. You know, I I find it I find it difficult. Um, you know, sometimes when they talk about gritty realism in Doctor Who, I find it you know it's still about. It's still about a show where, you know, a rubber monster is about to shamble down a corridor so true. at any yeah. moment, you know. I, I find it, I, yeah, I find it a difficult kind of concept to match. And maybe part of the reason is that I don't mind that Doctor Who is, part of the reason I might be attracted to Doctor Who is that it's not naturalistic. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely agree. But I, I, I think there's some truth in what Imogen was saying in terms of the fact that that the, the crazy stuff is more affecting when it's placed in a in in what at, at least in something that at least simulates real life do you know what i mean yeah is there a is there a doctor who episode to be made without any science fiction elements set in the 21st century where you're exploring the character relationship say for instance of the doctor and yaz and ryan mm, and mm. and graham like could you do could you do a a just as a one-off, a kind of serious character drama. Yeah. Um, I would it work? I'm not sure. I don't know either. I mean, they they did it in Torchwood with Countryside, didn't they? There's no science fiction elements in that, but in that is kind of different because it's sort of. Isn't the... there a mass murder in that? Isn't there a kind of? Yeah, but it's no, the... there's no sci-fi kind of element. It's just he's just a serial killer. It's like there's no. Yeah. You're, but that that's different because the twist is that you're waiting for the science fiction explanation and then there isn't one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is kind of its own its own thing really. Um, it's I like if know. you could you could you imagine could you imagine a different um, a different version of time flight and yes, please let's. But, you know, that 
after you kill off a major character, could you spend could you have spent twenty five minutes with just the three regulars, just kind of sorting that out between them? So if there's, I think that uh, it would be an interesting, as interesting an experiment with an episode of Doctor Who as it would be to have a musical episode or to yeah, have yeah, an episode yeah, yeah. in black and white. You know, it would be an interesting variation to try just how closely to the audience's lives can we bring this. I agree. I'm always up for mm. trying stuff. Why not? You yeah. Know? If it's Why crap, not? let's not do it again. But that's the, that's the yeah. beauty of Doctor Who. In episode That's 84, right. um, Rob Shearman um, came to my house to tell me that he feels Doctor Who should have ended uh, when Ian and Barbara left. Yeah, that was a terrific. That was a terrific episode, and kind of convincing in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- because it would have been the natural two-season uh, conclusion. Like it does, kind of make thematic sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I and obviously that- he was not. He didn't act believe that he was saying that as a sort of provocative conversation starter yeah yeah but also that you can imagine a a version of doctor who that ran for those two seasons yeah definitely and because because ian and barbara have been such sort of uh you know integral parts of the show but their story was as as um their story arc was as important as the doctors i i sort of tend to think the story is still called doctor who and so there's still a kind of um, – it's not really – you know, it can be overstated that the show mm. was originally an ensemble cast of four and that uh, we, we followed the adventures of all four of them. I, I think that can be overstated a little bit. But, yeah, I, I'd go along for, for that ride with Rob Sherman, sure. And, and Rob's, I'm, uh, Rob's writing a novelization now. I noticed on last week. He's writing. A, he's writing a, a Dalek target novelization, um, which is exciting. Uh, ever more to collect. I love yeah. it. In episode eighty-five, um, I spoke to um, uh, Sam Maleski, who told me that Dark Water, Death in Heaven, um, is the best Capaldi finale. I'm, I'm going to go for a yes or no answer here. Yes or no? No. Okay. In episode 86, <laughs> I spoke to Simon uh, Simon Garrier in the pub um, about Time Lash. And Simon loves Time Lash. What do we think? Uh, I want to love it, but no. No. It's too... It's too terrible to parry. Like, it's right. too misogynist. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's you true. Know? It's and true. then it's got this terrible bit at the end that says, you know, you'll never be happy because you're ugly. I'll throw you into a wardrobe filled with tinsel. It's horrible, really. Yeah, that is pretty grim. It's pretty grim. Yeah. You can enjoy the campness of it, but it's, uh, yeah, it does have that hanging over it, doesn't it? Look, I, I, like, the, I like the narrative conceit that um, of H.G. Wells, you know, turning out at the end, celebrity historical, twist at the end, all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah. In episode eighty-seven, uh, I spoke to Emma Reeves um, about uh, the Thirteenth Doctor um, being a little bit of a, 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 a missed opportunity in terms of the the gender change. And then we had a conversation about how we should have. Um, well, it's supposed to be about how we should have a fat companion, but it turned into really how we should have a, a more kind of diverse makeup of companions anyway. Yeah, my is my my take on the first part of this is this this the show is really struggling between do we want the doctor do we want the doctor to be like her predecessors 
and show a bit of gumption and, you know, punch a racist and do all these kind of doctor-like things that we've seen in the past. Yes. Or, or do we want her to be something completely different? And if we want her to be something completely different, there's some of the parts which we liked which we might have to let go of. It's really tough. I go backwards and forwards this and this, on this all the time, but really what is the point of having a female doctor if she's just going to behave like all the male doctors we've seen in the past? Um I think the point, the really interesting part of that conversation was, you know, here's a character who's undergone a gender change um, with seemingly completely at ease with it, and that hasn't been mm. talked about. Mm. Uh, and in a way, I'd, I'd, I'm not so much for the, not so much for the series exploring what it's like to have a female lead because I think that's kind of reductive but i am absolutely in for that i would be interested in hearing what that change has meant for that character uh and what's been challenging for her about it and what's been great about it you know that would be worth spending some time on definitely especially i don't know especially in this climate and i mean there's so much you can say as well it's not um I just uh, yeah I think the show's we I mean we I'm not, I won't go on at length because we talked about it in that episode but I think mm. the show is scared of of kind of upsetting people and I think I think if it did try and make some statements about this stuff I think it would upset some people and I don't think mm. that's a risk that it wants to take um, and, and, I, can, and I respect can that I can understand and respect that it it may not it may not all be just trying to avoid a fight or avoid a conflict about it it may simply be look. The, the the way we want to do this is just present it as here she is, let's go, let's concentrate on the storytelling of it. Um, in a way, in a way they've had to make, they've made their choice. They had to make a choice. That's yeah, what yeah. they've done. And now this, well, we don't know. Who knows what will happen in the next series? Maybe they'll, maybe there will be more introspection on that topic. Yeah. Well, it looks like we're getting more introspection from the Doctor in general, from the, from the trailer and from some of the stuff Chris has said. Um, in yeah. the, have you got the latest Doctor Who magazine? I do, yes. Yeah, there's an interview with him in there, and he's talking about how the first series was kind of a recruitment year, and then this mm. is this is now the series where we 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 sort of delve into yeah into a little bit more introspective territory and yeah uh, yeah know, bring some old stuff back and and yeah make it feel more mm. Doctor Who-y again. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, that's a that's a great episode. If people should people should go back and listen to that because I think that's a really interesting conversation between the two of you on that. Oh, great! Um, mm. And uh, my my latest episode um, was uh, was the one about Star Wars. So Luke and I got together, and uh, Luke's blonde and I got together and, and talked about. Um, Sorry about about what? Star, about what about Star Wars, Johnny? You chose Star Wars. I can't say I've heard of it. Are you a Star Wars fan at all? Uh, I am. I I I enjoy those movies. I I watch them. I watch them once or twice. I I don't watch them with uh, the degree of uh, dedication that I watch Doctor Who. Did, did, did you hear my Star Wars episode with with Luke? Yes, I have. I have heard it. I'm not sure I've got to the end of it though. Were you, were you baffled by some of the some of the references no. or? Actually, what I yes, but pleasantly baffled. And what what is interesting is that fan stories seem to, you know, they seem to follow those patterns, you know, yeah, about yeah. playing with the toys in the playground. You know, oh, we mash them all up together. Oh my God, no, I'd never mash them. I'd never <laughs> cross genres between them. So I think what there's there's great um, 
there's great comfort in the fact that everyone's going through their own fandom in roughly the same kind of way. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, are you excited about the new Star Wars film? Are you going to go see it? Yeah, yeah, I go and see them all. I go you, and see do you them go all. see the Australian dub or do you go to the subtitled one? Um, there's. <laughs> I go to the one where everything's slowed down for right, us right, Australians okay, okay, so that we okay. can get a little bit faster. It takes yeah, about yeah. two weeks to watch, but you know, it's mm, worthwhile, mm, I think. Mm. <laughs> cool. I think that's everything um, for our yearly roundup. Thank you so much for joining me again. My pleasure. Uh, and I suppose I'll see you see you back here next year. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. I'll yeah. be. Um, you've got a place for me to stay, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, great. Uh, how, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Johnny Spandrel. Is there an underscore there? No underscore. No underscore. One one lovely word. You can find us on Twitter at Galactic Yo Yo Pod as usual, and you can find me on Twitter now at Molly underscore Martian. You can email us at galaxyopod at gmail.com. I'll be back in the new year reviewing every episode again. And I'm not going to be on a schedule uh, because it's just going to be too difficult to get the episodes out within the week on, and on a specific day. So they'll just kind of come out within that week when I can put them out. Uh, yeah, different guests each week, um, different episode each week. I'm excited for all this to happen. Are you? Oh, yes. I am very excited. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was meant to be quiet there so that no, you could wrap all. up towards not the end. All. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm super Get involved. Excited. Get involved. Great. Um, <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for talking to me. Uh, and I'll see you guys uh, next time, which will be in the, at the start of January. Bye-bye, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. Me oh, and Merry Christmas, of course. Merry Christmas. Uh, and a Happy New Year.